Hey guys welcome back to the channel. I hope you're well. This is a story about what if Deku AT the OP OP and OMI so I hope you enjoy. Please subscribe to the channel and like the video. Check out the author in the link in the description. And join the discord down below. But anyways let's get started. Inko Midoriya waited in the waiting room of the hospital with tears streaming down her face. She and her son were simply out shopping when a bomb went off in the mall they were in. They were in a clothing store when it happened, when she opened her eyes and managed to clear her vision she saw her son her pride and joy was lying on the ground covered in blood trying to protect her. She was his mother. It was her job to protect her son, not the other way around. How could she let this happen to her baby? When they were found by the medical team, they had to forcefully separate her from her unmoving son's body, kicking and screaming. So here she was now, waiting out in the waiting room while her son was being prepped for surgery. He had lost a lot of blood and needed a blood transfusion, she immediately offered, but she wasn't a match. She began to pray that someone, anyone would save her son. Inko Midoriya? Hearing her name be called she lifted her head and saw a young man stare down at her. He was a slim man of a relatively tall height. He has faint shadows right under his gray eyes, he was wearing a northern-style fur hat, which is white and has a spotted pattern along the bottom and the bill. He has short dark hair, a majority of which is obscured by his hat, save for his sideburns and small goatee. She noticed he was wearing a black hoodie, which had a yellow smiling face in the center. The other thing she noticed was the tattoo on both his hands and fingers, but what stood out was the one that spelled death. Standing next to him was a tall white polar bear wearing an orange jumpsuit was carrying a cooler in his hands. Who was this man? Ah, yes. She finally replied after observing him for so long, who are you? Trafalgar Law, Law replied, I heard your son needed a blood transfusion and volunteered to give him some of mine. Eh, are really? She grabbed both arms, hoping this wasn't a dream. Yeah. When I looked at your son's chart I noticed we had the same blood type and volunteered to give him some of mine, even though those idiots told me not to. Law said dryly. Inko let go of him and bowed, please. Please save my Izuku. Law stared at her bowing form, I plan on it. He told her walking past the woman and going into the ICU room. The white bear turned to the woman before going inside the ICU. Don't worry, Captain knows what he's doing since he's a doctor. The white bear told her before following after Law. Law. Inko stood there as she processed what the bear just said. That man's a surgeon? He certainly didn't look like one. But even so, he promised to save her son no matter what so she would have faith in his skills. Please, please save my Izuku. ICU Intensive Care Unit. Law stared down at the boy, seeing the various wires and bandages all over him covered in blood. This kid was a mess. It was a wonder he was even alive to begin with especially since he didn't have a quirk as they call it here. When they first arrived here by the port he decided to see how the medical stuff here works. Whatever Straw Hat and the rest of crew did on their own free time was no business of his. Truth be told, he didn't even get permission from anyone to be in here, but when he heard a kid was sent to the ICU his curiosity got the better of him. 
According to the kid's records he was what they called a quirkless, meaning one without a quirk. From what he gathered, people without quirks are seen at the bottom of the food chain, and this kid is no different. But there was something else that interested him about quirks, you can transfer a quirk through various methods as long as the person has the DNA of the individual. Giving the kid some of his blood won't do anything, so he'll give the kid some of his DNA and see what happens. But he had to say, he was impressed this kid was still alive after everything. Captain? Law smirked, interesting. This kid should be dead, but he's hanging in there albeit by a thread anyway. The white bear looked at Izuku, are you sure about giving your own blood to him, Captain? Yeah. Just giving the kid some of my blood won't be enough, so I'll transfer some of DNA to him. I'm kinda interested to see if this kid'll stay quirkless or gain the same power as me, Law smirked, bet he'll surprise the hell out of him, right Beepo? Beepo nodded, yes, Captain. Law rolled up his sleeves, let's get started then. He then felt something grip, grip his jacket and was shocked to see it was the kid. Gray eyes locked onto green ones, there was something about that look the kid was giving him that made him think about himself for a minute. Captain. Law ignored Beepo and kept his gaze on the kid, you wanna live, right? A grip was his response as well as ragged breathing. He snorted. Yeah, this kid was interesting. He smirked, time to operate. That was how the quirkless boy met the sure no Gakai, surgeon of death. Whether their meeting was fated or a coincidence is unknown. Three months passed after the bombing incident and Izuku's surgery was done at the hands of Trafalgar Law. Inko was so grateful to the man that she insisted on inviting him to dinner as a thank you for saving her son's life. The law protested he eventually gave and knowing the woman wouldn't stop pestering him until he said yes after the kid got out of the hospital about four days later, Inko practically dragged both Law and Beepo to their house to eat with them. Izuku had taken an instant liking to both Law and Beepo, proven by how the green-haired boy would climb on the white bear's back and play with his ears. Beepo took it like a champ though and never once complained. Law chatted with Inko while Izuku played with Beepo in the living room. The gray-eyed captain would often eye Izuku, waiting to see if the kid would awaken the same power as him. After giving the kid some of his blood he waited for him to heal so he could give the kid some of his DNA. As gross as it sounds, the only thing he could think of was to yank some of his own hair out and put it in the kid's soup when he wasn't looking. The kid ate all of it and Law noticed the hair he put in wasn't in the bowl, meaning it was already inside the body. All he had to do now was wait, but then again there was no guarantee that it would work though. Not even two weeks later when he met up with the mother again and she yanked him in inside the house did he finally get the results he wanted. Once he stepped into the living room he saw it was covered in a blue circle. He couldn't help the smirk that appeared on his face. Guess it worked after all, in the end the gamble paid off. Things just got more interesting. Inko and Izuku sat down on the couch as he explained to them what was going on with the kid after help cancel Rumu, room. So, it's not a quirk? Inko questioned. No, instead of calling it a quirk, it's more like a devil fruit power, Law told her, it's stronger than quirks. Stronger? Izuku blinked. Law looked at Izuku, yeah, where we come from there's no such thing as quirks, only devil fruits. Mine's called the Opop no Mi, in translation it means operation. 
Inko leaned forward, then these devil fruits have different abilities and gives these abilities to the users who eat them? She didn't like that it was called devil fruit of all things, but she ignored that in favor of wanting to know what effects it would have on her son. Basically, since I gave the kid some of my DNA he now has the same powers as I do. That blue sphere you saw is what I like to call Rumu, Rune. He explained. And what does that do? Inko asked. It allows me to create a spherical space around a target, he began to explain, like me he can control whatever's going on in the circle, hell he can even make it as big as he wants, but it takes more concentration. Izuku stared down at his hands in awe. He didn't care that this power wasn't a quirk and instead a devil fruit ability. An ability given to him by the very same man that saved his life. Law stared at the boy who was either lost in thought or was admiring the fact that now he has powers like everybody else. Truth be told, he was still surprised his gamble had showed any progress at all but he wasn't one to deny what was right in front of him. Needless to say, Law still got the results he wanted so he wasn't complaining. Complaining. I have a request, Lawsan. He raised a brow, Lawsan. What? She bowed, please, train my son. Silence. Wait, what? Ha! Huh? She raised her head, I don't want Izuku to suddenly lose control or for him to accidentally hurt someone. Please. His eyebrow twitched at the sudden request. This seems like something Straw Hat would get himself into, not him. And those eyes, the eyes the kid was giving him was making it very hard to say no. The real question was why couldn't he just say no? Damn it. With a sigh he leaned back into the couch, fine. And just like that, he unwillingly decided to train the kid. Law rubbed the bridge of his nose as Luffy kept grinning like an idiot like always and the other crew members were just being themselves. The kid was currently hiding behind him because he caught a glimpse of Brooke and promptly hid behind Law but peeked his head out a little as a sign of shyness. You've started kidnapping kids now? Zoro questioned, raising a brow. A tick mark appeared on Law's head, no. I was asked to teach the brat. Teach him? Sanji questioned, puffing out some smoke from his cigarette. What are you gonna teach him? Usopp was confused as to why anyone would ask Law of all people to teach a small kid anything. Law grunted out a response, the brat's mother asked me to teach him, he gave them a serious look, because he has the same powers as me. Silence. Izuku could have laughed at the expressions some of them were making, but he was still too shy to act on such an impulse. Wah, how? Nami was the one to ask. Law brought the kid forward but kept both hands on the boy's shoulders, the brat was involved in that terror terrorist attack. The one that was all over the news? Usopp questioned. After the Straw Hats came here and realized people get their news from the TV they saw the terrorist attack on the news while watching it on a mini-TV that Nami got from somewhere. They didn't ask how she paid for it though, if she did at all. Yes, there was a report that some people didn't make it and only one person was in critical condition, Robin told them, the critical patient wasn't named, but it was reported that it was a child. Brooke looked at Izuku, so he was the one they were talking about. The poor boy. But he looks okay now, Chopper pointed out, so that means Law must have done something, but what did he do to cause the boy to have the same devil fruit powers as him? 
Law answered that for him, he needed a blood transfusion because he lost a lot of it. I looked at the kid's files and found out he was classified as quirkless, so I gave him some of my DNA to see if he'd get the same abilities as me. Robin put a finger to her chin, interesting. So the properties of this world affects us despite us not originally belonging here. What does that mean? Usopp questioned. Robin elaborated, we are what's known as a new element in this world. And because of that, this world sought to correct that by making sure we became affected by its properties here. Chopper was starting to get it, so you mean, because we're now affected by the properties here, that means if Robin, me, Luffy, and Brooke can transfer some of our DNA to anyone here and they'll gain the same powers as us? Yes. Robin nodded, while it's impossible for something like that to happen in our world, it's possible here. Usopp groaned, this whole thing's giving me a headache. Shishishi, it's fine, isn't it? Luffy grinned, if Law says everything's okay, then it's fine. Nami and Usopp sighed, but otherwise said nothing as Izuku looked over at all of the crew members and gave them a polite bow, you um, I'm Izuku Midoriya. It's nice to meet all of you. Luffy grinned, Monkey D, Luffy. Nice, nice to meet you, my name's Nami. Nami introduced herself next. My name's Chopper. Chopper smiled. I'm Usopp, the king of snipers. Usopp introduced dramatically. Nico Robin. Robin introduced with a smile. Sanji took another puff from his cigarette, named Sanji. Zoro crossed his arms, Roranoa Zoro. But you can just call him Marimo. Sanji smirked. Next thing Izuku knew the two of them were going at it making him sweat drop, especially since Luffy was laughing at them. Ya ho ho ho. Pleasure to meet you, young man. My name is Brooke, and if you don't mind there's something I wish to ask of you. Izuku was still a little scared of Brooke, but answered anyway, as sure. Brooke walked over to him and bent down a little, may I please borrow some money? He was promptly kicked away from him by Nami. Don't ask a little kid for money. She yelled. Izuku blinked a few times. Just what is wrong with these people? The name's Frankie, and it's super nice to meet ya. Frankie did his trademark pose as he greeted Izuku. Izuku's eyes sparkled as he stared at Frankie, a cyborg. Frankie gave him a thumbs up. Law walked past Izuku getting his attention, Oi, Sanjiya. Zoroya. You'll be training the kid, too. Sanji and Zoro stopped their momentary brawl, looking at Law as though he'd lost his mind, H-U-H? Izuku was surprised too. They were also going to be his teachers? He can't just know how to use Opopnomi, Law stated, he needs to learn how to fight. Frankie inspected Izuku, the kid does have skinny arms. Well he is a kid. Usopp deadpanned. Izuku bowed politely to them again, please take good care of me. Zoro clicked his tongue, why do we have to teach some gaki? Luffy jumped down from his perch on the Thousand Sunny, come on, Zoro it'll be fun. TCH, fine, Zoro stared down at Izuku making the boy scared a little but kept his gaze, I'll turn you into a beast. Be prepared, gaki. H hi, Zoro sensei. Izuku said, giving him, him a determined look. 
Zoro smirked at Sanji who gave him a certain look before turning to Azuku, listen kid, being a beast is good and all. However, being a gentleman with the ladies is far better. Izuku started mumbling much to Law's ire but otherwise said nothing, I'll do my best, Sanji-sensei. Don't brainwash the gaki, Arrowcook. Zoro exclaimed. What was that, Marimo? Sanji shot back. Izuku then started to laugh at their antics no longer feeling afraid, while Law meanwhile looked annoyed but that was nothing new. That's just how the straw hats are. Keep going at it, Gaki. Zoro yelled. Izuku grunted as he kept pushing himself to keep running the 30-minute lap Zoro made him do. For the first part of his training Izuku had to strengthen his body and who better to do that than Zoro himself. It took Izuku two minutes to realize that Zoro can be a real sadist. First, Zoro made him do 30 push-ups, 30 sit-ups, and now, 30 laps. Izuku nearly passed out a few times but hung in there and refused to give up. He was told at school multiple times that he would forever be Deku, meaning unable to do anything by Kachin but that changes now. He'd train and work on his devil fruit powers and strengthening his body in order to protect those he cares about. When he reached the last lap he fell to his knees, his breath heavy with sweat pouring down his face. His arms and legs felt heavy, but there was a sense of achievement he'd never felt before so he would ignore his sore arms and legs and keep pushing forward. A water bottle landed before him and he looked up to see it was Zoro-sensei who tossed it over to him with a grin. Not bad. He complimented. Somehow, Izuku managed to give the man a grin and even speak, th thank you, Zoro-sensei. He thanked, taking the water bottle and chugging it down hungrily. Chopper then showed up, now make sure you eat something too after you work out, out, then take a bath. Izuku finished guzzling down the water bottle and nodded, hi. Oi, dinner's ready. Sanji's voice rang out to everyone. Dinner. Luffy's voice was loud and clear. Izuku stood up slowly as he walked over towards the kitchen with Chopper following right behind him, just in case he fell over. Zaro meanwhile stood there impressed by the kid's mental discipline. Usually kids his age would be whining and complaining about every damn thing, but not this one. Heh, it actually made him was to keep training the kid some more. The green-haired boy saw the good-looking food in front of him and forced himself not to drool. He clasped his hands together, itted a kamasu. Taking his first bite he made a humming sound before he kept eating with a smile on his face. Is it good? Brooke asked. Izuku nodded happily not feeling scared of Brooke anymore, instead finding the skeleton man funny. A little perverted, but funny. Robin giggled, he's such an honest boy. He'll grow up to be quite the heartbreaker when he get older, Nami said, hopefully he won't be a pervert. Robin giggled. Luffy was stuffing his face as usual along with Usopp, Chopper asked Izuku how he was feeling and the boy told him he was a little sore. Law and Beepo were eating with them too but had more manners than the rest of the straw hats when it came to eating. How's training with Marimo coming along, kid? Sanji asked. Izuku swallowed his food before answering, really good, Sanji-sensei. Yohoho, make sure you don't hurt yourself too much. Brooke told him. Amum. Law finished his drink, take a shower after you finish eating. You'll be working with me next. 
Izuka gave him a determined look, hi. Nami swooned and hugged the boy, you're just so cute. Sanji and Brooke were taken back by the sudden hug attack by Nami and got jealous, wishing they were the ones being hugged. We're cute too, Nami-san. Sanji and Brooke wa wailed. Izuku blinked as he was being hugged by Nami but didn't think about it much and hugged the woman back with a smile, Nami-nesan is pretty. Robin-nesan, too. Kaya. Nami squealed and hugged him some more, you're just so adorable. How sweet. Robin smiled. Sanji and Brooke had to give the kid some credit. When it comes to older women he played the charm on well. Smart brat. Law stared down at Izuku, you ready, brat? Izuku nodded. Law didn't waste any time getting started, Rumu, room. A blue circle surrounded them, you already know about this. Like I explained before I can make this circle small or bigger if I choose, he made the circle disappear, your turn. Izuku took a deep breath before copying Law, Arumu, room. The same circle appeared and covered the two of them but Law spotted the difference. Slightly smaller than mine, Law observed, we'll be working on that. Hi, Law-sensei. Izuku said. Don't call me that. Law told him. Eh, um, Law-san? The boy tilted his head. Law made a face and decided to just let the kid call him whatever he liked. The rest of the straw hats were watching them. That's so cute, Nami smiled, Law seems like the type that would be good with kids. Really? He seems like the last person that would get along with a kid. Usopp said, sounding doubtful. Then we can say the same thing about these two. Nami gestured over towards Zoro and Sanji. Zoro gave her a face. Speaking of which, did you really have to make the kid do 30 push-ups, sit-ups, and laps? Usopp questioned. Zoro crossed his arms, that was just to warm up. Tomorrow the kid will do 100. Are you trying to kill him? Usopp, Nami, and Chopper exclaimed. Luffy simply laughed. Izuku wasn't paying attention to them, instead focusing on what Lasan was telling him. He promised to get stronger and become a hero that protects people with a smile on his face, just like All Might. No matter what he will become a hero. Izuku spent his days after school with Law and the Straw Hat Pirates. His training was going well, too. He would train with Zoro-sensei first, then Sanji-sensei, and lastly La-sensei kept helping him train with his new power. La-sensei told him both the strengths and weaknesses of the Opopnomi, which he made sure to write it all down so he wouldn't forget. The time he would spend with the Straw Hate Pirates, including La-sensei was the best thing that happened in his life. The terrorist attack wasn't something he liked to look back and remember about, but it allowed him to meet La-sensei and the others, even becoming a devil fruit user. He wondered why they were called devil fruit users and reminded himself to ask La-sensei about it later. Today's training was different. After Izuku witnessed Zoro practice his swordsmanship he was entranced and couldn't look away. The green-haired man noticed the boy staring at him and saw the same spark that he had when he first learned swordsmanship. Instead of letting Izuku practice with a real sword he gave him a wooden sword in order to avoid getting hit by Nami for teaching the kid bad habits. Yeah right. So here Izuku was now, 
practicing with his wooden sword with his shirt off. Zoro told him to take his shirt off before he started practicing. He didn't question it, just did as he was told. He was so focused he almost didn't hear Chopper's gasp, making him jump slightly having not expected it. Izuku, what happened to your arm? Chopper asked, freaking out. Izuku was confused at first until he finally understood what made Chopper freak out. He was referring to the burn mark Kachin gave him a long time ago. His mother asked him the same question, but couldn't bring himself to answer her. Now Chopper was asking, asking him and he didn't know whether he should answer or just tell him to leave it alone, but he couldn't bring himself to do that. Um, Kachin did that. Izuku confessed. Chopper gave him a horrified look, your mother did that to you? Unfortunately, the little reindeer mistook to words Kachin for Kachan. Honest mistake. No. Mommy didn't do this to me. Mommy's quirk lets her move things, Izuku corrected quickly, Kachin, my best friend gave me this. Oh, Chopper breathed a sigh of relief which was soon replaced again by horror. Wait, your best friend did this to you? On purpose? Izuku gave him a small nod, Kachin got his quirk before me, but he uses it on me all the time. He calls me Deku a lot, too. What does Deku mean? Chopper asked. The green-haired child looked down in shame, it means useless. Well that settled it. Chopper officially hated this Kachin person and decided to tell Izuku about his feelings. Then he's not your friend. Chopper yelled. Izuku flinched at the sudden loudness but he was more shocked when Chopper started to yell. Real friends don't hurt each other. That Kachin person isn't really your friend if he's hurting you like this. Chopper kept on going. But. Izuku looked down again. Lift up your head. Izuku did indeed lift his head up when he saw Zoro and wondered how long the man had been standing there for. Never bow your head down to anyone, Zoro told him, not even this friend of yours. He's weak. Izuku looked confused, weak? Kachin? Zoro grabbed his sword and slammed it down, flaunting power around shows what a weak person you are. And that so-called friend of yours is no different. Chopper agreed 100%. He hadn't even met the boy and he already didn't like him. Izuku wanted to stand up for Kachin, he really did. But Zoro-sensei's words resonated within him, preventing him from trying to say how wrong the man was. He knew that deep down Kachin was really a good person, he had to be. be. Right? Thank you for coming with me to buy some food for the crew Izuku. Chopper thanked. Izuku smiled, you're welcome, Chopper-san. Just call me Chopper, Chopper insisted, it feels good to walk around like this and not have to worry about people staring at me all the time. Really? Chopper nodded, back where we're from humans would always stare at me because I'm a talking reindeer. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that here. That's good, Izuku smiled, Chopper's the best person I know. Chopper blushed, hearing that doesn't make me happy, you jerk. Izuku giggled knowing Chopper didn't mean it and was simply expressing how embarrassed he was. Before Izuku could say anything else he saw what appeared to be a girl with pale blonde hair, wearing a white dress with matching shoes cowering away from what appeared to be Kachin and his friends. 
Without even thinking he ran forward, pushing Kachin away before standing before the girl protectively, leave her alone, Kachin. He felt Chopper ran towards them with worry, even dragging the groceries with him. The little reindeer stood next to Wazuku and actually growled at Kachin with anger in his eyes. His attention was brought back on Kachin as he saw the blonde glare at him with such intensity that it almost felt suffocating, but Azuku would not back down. Not this time. Deku, you little dash. Kachin growled. His name's Azuku, you jerk. Chopper yelled at the boy. Izuka chose that time to check on the girl behind him, are you okay? He was looking her over for any injuries and luckily she had none. The girl smiled at him, I'm okay. Eh? Izuku was surprised by the lack of feminine tone in the girl's voice and sounded more, boyish. Why was this boy dressed as a girl? Move. He was brought back to reality when he heard Kachin's threatening voice. Looking back, he saw Chopper refusing to back down, showing no fear of the ash blonde hair boy. He stood next to Chopper fearlessly, I, I won't let you pick on him anymore Kachin. Same here, Chopper said, so leave him alone already you big bully. Ha! Huh? You're just a Deku. Kachin told Izuku. His name's Izuku. Why would you call him something so mean? Aren't you supposed to be his friend? Chopper was really angry at this boy. He reminded him of the enemies the Straw Hats had encountered on their journey. Kachin scoffed, like I'd be friends with this quirkless weakling. Izuku isn't weak. The only weak person here is you. Chopper retorted his hateful gaze, never wavering. Izuku was touched that Chopper would stand up for him like this. He was such a nice reindeer. But Izuku knew Kachin all too well and knew he would be angry with what Chopper said to him. Even Kachin's friends looked at him with pitying gazes. Izuku watched as Kachin's hands ignited, who? The ash blonde began to shake, are you calling weak? Just as Kachin was about to use his quirk on Chopper, Izuku's body moved on its own. The green-haired boy stood before Chopper, holding up both arms up to cover his face something unexpected happened. His arms were soon coated in a purple-like armor that took the full front of the blast. Smoke covered those gathered and when it cleared it showed Izuku was unharmed, as well as Chopper and the mysterious boy. Izuku looked down at his arms in awe, but also confusion. What just happened? Yusushoku no hockey, armament hockey? He heard Chopper mutter but didn't know what that was. What? Was his response. Chopper got his barrings back together, that was Busashoku no hockey, armament hockey, you just used. That means you can now use hockey just like Luffy, Sanji, Zoro, and Law. Izuku blinked but was happy with the new information, really. Yeah. He didn't know what hockey was, but from the look on Chopper's face, he guessed it had to be something really good. The boy standing behind Chopper smiled at him with an interesting look on his face. He knew that look all too well. That was the same look he would give when he heard about All Might's achievements. It was a look of admiration. Why was the boy looking at him like that? Deku, you. Izuku turned his attention back over to Kachin, watching as the boy began to shake with such intensity that he wondered if the earth would shake right along with him. Kachin just stopped. 
Stop doing this. He pleaded. His friend was never like this before, so why after he got his quirk would he act like this now? He wanted the old Cochin back, he wanted the boy who would play with him all the time. The boy who would take them to their secret hideout and invite nobody else and it would be just the two of them discussing about their favorite heroes. There were times where he wished Cochin never got his quirk. And he still thinks that, even now. Cochin. Shut up. Bakugo was about to use his quirk again, gearing up for a powerful explosion when Izuku did something else that caught Chopper off guard. Stop. All of a sudden Bakugo and his friends were sent flying back with their eyes completely white and they weren't the only ones affected by it either. Bystanders who were watching and not trying to help at all were on the ground unconscious. Izuku stood there frozen stiff then started shaking as he stared down at the unconscious Bakugo and his companions. I, I. He didn't get to say much else because Chopper grabbed him and ran away, the groceries forgotten and left on the ground. Izuku didn't even look back to see if the boy he was defending was still conscious. If he looked back behind him, he would have noticed the boy he defended was still conscious. Law stared out into the ocean at night, simply watching as the water moved around as it pleased. No matter where you are, the sky and sea will always stay the same, even in this weird world, they ended up in. He was leaning on the deck of the ship thinking about what happened earlier. The brat and Tanuki were supposed to be going on a simple shopping trip, but it didn't work out that way. Nothing ever does with this crew. When the two came back minus the groceries, the kid practically squeezed him to death in a hug. While normally that wouldn't bother him since the kid had hugged him plenty of times before, this time was different. Kid was shaking like a leaf and had him a death grip refusing to let go. He had no choice but to pick the kid up and take him to one of the rooms of the ship all the while hearing him mutter, I didn't mean to over and over again like a broken record. After he got the kid to settle down he went back outside the room and heard the little tanuki explain why the kid was a mess. Busa shoku no haki, armament haki, and how shoku no haki, conquerors haki. Only six years old and already he awakened two types of haki. Before anyone could say anything Robin turned the television volume up and some random woman started talking about what happened. Earlier today a strange phenomenon occurred right here at this local park. Witnesses were either looking elsewhere or didn't see what happened when all of a sudden they just collapsed out of nowhere. When pro heroes All Might and Eraserhead arrived to the scene he described that the people in the area including three children were simply unconscious and that no harm was done to them. An image showed a kid with ash blonde hair who was unconscious, the little tanuki started pointing, telling them that was the same boy that gave the kid his burn mark. Law was indifferent to the brat and couldn't care less. He along with the straw hats saw more unconscious people be carted off into those strange ambulance vehicles. While he didn't say it outright, Law was impressed with how many people the kid managed to knock out with only his first try. And it was simply used as self-defense. All Might and the police are urging the person responsible to turn their self in so they can explain themselves. I repeat, the authorities along with All Might are urging the individual to turn themselves in. Robin had turned the volume down to make those within the surrounding area lose consciousness and on accident. It's an impressive feat. 
Maybe, but Izuka's scared out of his mind, Nami's tone expressed worry, and on top of that, both the authorities and the that all might guy want him to turn himself in. We can't let the kid turn himself over. Usopp shot that idea down quickly, there's no telling what they'd do to the kid once he does. They might lock him up. Still, Sanji took a puff from his cigarette, you see all those people he knocked out? Give it a few years and he might be on the same level as Luffy. Zoro looked over at Law, you talked to the kid's mother yet? Yeah. Told her he'll be staying the night over here, she didn't complain. Law replied. Brooke breathed a sigh of relief, that's good. I think it's best he stays here so we can explain to him what happened. Frankie crossed his arms, first time I've seen a kid use two types of hockey. He'll be a real fighter when he gets older. Luffy was silent and hadn't said a single word. He just stood up and walked away, still quiet. There were times where the crew couldn't understand what he was thinking and this was another one of those times. It was best to just leave him alone for now. So here Law was, still awake with Beepo sleeping at his side with his back leaning against the railing. Never did he realize that coming to this strange world via some dumbass transponder snail would give him this much of a headache. What amazes him is the fact that none of the straw hats caused enough trouble to be noticed by the heroes, but he wasn't complaining, but he knew it was gonna happen sooner or later. He was in no mood to deal with the heroes here. Just calling them that makes him wa want to vomit. The distinct sound of sandals catches his attention, but he makes no move to acknowledge Straw Hat, opting to wait for the captain to say something himself. He didn't waste any time. Law, Straw Hat's voice carried a serious tone like he expected it to. He already knew what Straw Hat was about to say, let me train him too. And there it is. A smirk made it way to Law's face as he sat up from his current leaning position and eyed Luffy out of the corner of his eye, hockey, ha? Luffy simply kept his serious face and no more words were said. No, no more words needed to be said. Haki? Izuku questioned. Morning came and Izuku was feeling a little better having gotten some sleep and reassurance that Bakugo and everyone else he accidentally knocked out yesterday were okay. As soon as he sat down for breakfast Law did the explaining, having stated he didn't trust Straw Hat with the explanations making the boy pout. Law kept his gaze on Izuku, you, have two types of hockey. Yusoshoku no hockey, armament hockey, allowing you to create invisible armor around yourself like you did yesterday. And Haushoku no hockey, conqueror's hockey, which is rare and can't be learned through training. Only one in several million have this ability, like you and Straw Hatya. Izuko stared at Luffy with a newfound respect, and it, lets me put people to sleep? Nami smiled nervously, sort of. This hockey allows the user to exert their willpower over others, Robin explained, it is also stated that whoever possessed this type of hockey has the qualities of a king. Now the kid had star-struck eyes, king. His interest didn't stay for very long as he looked down, but, if you can't train me then. Actually we can, or Luffy or Law can anyway. Sanji said, see, while you can't be trained you can strengthen your will in order to have better control. The only reason you used it on accident was because that dumbass kid provoked you. Izuku wanted to say something to prove Sanji wrong but found no words coming out of his mouth and simply decided to agree with him. 
Straw Hackett and me will add that to your training, Law said to Wazuku, after you eat get ready. A determined look appeared on the boy's face, hi. Elsewhere. Tashinori Yagi or better known as All Might was currently in a meeting with Nezu and Aizawa. They were waiting for Recovery Girl to arrive and get her opinion about what the hell happened. Soon enough the short old woman walked in the room with an odd expression that none of them could identify. Well. Tashinori inquired. She took a deep breath, I am unable to identify the cause. Silence. Say what? Aizawa said. Recovery girl repeated herself, I don't know what happened to make those people and young children suddenly collapse. Not only that, but I can't find the cause since they have no markings on their bodies. Nedzu looked thoughtful, so not only do we not know what the perpetrator did to knock everyone within the facility unconscious, we also don't know what sort of quirk has such an effect. This is quite disturbing. Did the victim say anything? Tashinori questioned. She shook her head, all they said was they felt an unpleasant tingle they never want to feel ever again. But that boy with the foul temper did mention something about someone named Deku. Deku? Tashinori questioned. What else did the kid say? Aizawa asked. Oof, the boy refused to say anything else but Deku. She sat down on the couch. Nedzu hummed, perhaps this Deku character knows what happened. Be on the lookout for anyone with that name, but don't try to apprehend this person, this person until you can be sure this individual isn't a threat. I understand. Tashinori nodded. Aizawa merely yawned, but he understood too. Izuku stared up at the clear blue sky, his arms and legs unable to move because of the extensive training he underwent today. It was still scary how he managed to knock all of those people out with his hockey, but Chopper assured him the effects were only temporary and that they should all be awake now. He closed his eyes as he pictured that boy he saved from Bakugo and wondered why he was dressed as a girl. He should ask his mom about it when he gets home. She must be very worried about him, and that made him feel bad. He shouldn't be making his mom worry so much. Reluctantly he sat up, whimpering as his muscles began to sting but he fought through the pain and stood up. He needed to get home and see his mom so he can apologize for worrying her so much, hopefully he'll be able to get home by himself. Before he could attempt to walk he was hoisted up by Beepo. Where did he come from? You shouldn't move around, Beepo told him, where are you trying to go? While still a little frightened that Beepo snuck up on him all of a sudden, but answered anyway, my mom, I want to see my mom. Beepo didn't say anything and simply began walking down the ladder, but not before telling Law where he was going. The surgeon simply waved them off, but not before keeping an eye on them as they left. They're leaving? Robin appeared next to him. Kid wanted to tell his mom where he was. Law grunted. Robin giggled, he really is sweet. Law didn't say anything. Location Midoriya's apartment. Beepo and Izuku finally arrived at the apartment complex. The white bear still didn't put Izuku down though and opted to keep carrying the boy on his shoulder. The white bear knocked on the door politely and waited for Inko to answer. He didn't have to wait long for the woman opened the door rather quickly with a relieved expression expression, thank goodness, I was about to go down by the docks and get you. 
Izuku smiled nervously, I'm sorry, mom. Wasensei and the others said I had to stay with them after dash. After what happened yesterday. She finished for him much to this surprise, Law already told me what happened so you don't have to worry. Actually I'm glad you're here because there's some people here who want to see you. Bipo put Izuku down finally much to his relief, who? Inko smiled, that boy you stuck up for is here along with his parents. Izuku gasped as he almost forgot about the boy he protected yesterday. He's here? And he wanted to thank him? Wasting no time he walked inside the apartment, albeit at a normal pace rather than try to run, especially with his sore muscles. Bipo bowed before leaving and heading back to the ship where his captain was waiting for him. Once he was in the living room he spotted the same boy from yesterday and saw an older woman who looked just like the boy and a man sitting next to her. The woman had long blonde hair that she kept in a side ponytail, while the man had black hair with red outlines. The woman had ocean blue eyes, while the man had light purple eyes. The woman spotted him and smiled, standing up and bowing to him, you must be Izuku, my name is Sophia Shimizu or Shimizu Sophia, as the proper introduction. Izuku stood up straight, you um, pleased to meet you. My name is Midoriya Izuku. Sophia smiled softly, yes I know, you're the boy that protected my son from those bullies yesterday. Thank you. Why you're welcome. He blushed. The man stood up this time, well since my wife introduced herself I guess I should, too. Nice to meet you Midoriya, my name is Shimizu Asahi. Nice to meet you sir. Izuka bowed to the man, man politely. And lastly, the boy he protected yesterday introduced himself to Izuku, Hello, my name's Shimizu Salomo. Thank you for yesterday. He smiled. Izuku blushed, clearly embarrassed, Why you're welcome, um, would you like to see my room? Salomo looked to E parents, asking their permission and they nodded making the boy smile. Salomo eagerly grabbed Izuku's hand and the two of them went into the green-haired boy's room while the adults talk. Looks like they get along just great. Asahi smiled. Inko sat back down on the couch, that's my Izuku, he's always making friends. We really can't thank your son enough for protecting our son from those bullies, Sophia said with a grateful tone, it's bad enough our son's quirk affects his health, but on top of having to be bullied, I just can't stand it. Asahi rubbed his wife's back, comforting her. Inko looked down, when Izuku was diagnosed quirkless by the doctor he was also bullied. Asahi shook his head, it's disgusting how our society treats those without quirks. And children can be very judgmental and cruel as well. Sophia said. Inko agreed with them both. But she was no different. When her son was first diagnosed quirkless she cried and cried, blaming herself and not stopping to understand how it was making her son feel. There were times where she believed herself to be a horrible mother, but Izuku would simply give her that smile of his and suddenly she felt lighter. He's not quirkless anymore, she told them, my son gained his quirk. Asahi looked intrigued, so he's a late bloomer then, huh? It's rare but that does happen. In our son's case his came early. Sophia said. Early? Inko questioned. Yes, while normally most children get their quirk at the age of four, but our son got his at the age of three, she explained, not only that, but it's so popular.
powerful that it affects his health so he has to use a fraction of his power. Goodness, Inko placed a hand over her mouth, just what kind of quirk does your son have? Sophia and Asahi looked at each other before looking back at Inko, his quirk is. Alteration? Izuku questioned. That's right, Salomo said as he sat down on the bed next to Izuku, my quirk lets me change reality, at least that's what my parents tell me. Change reality? What does that mean? Izuku asked. Salomo shrugged, I don't know, but whenever I make a drawing or think about something it happens. Izuku's eyes sparkled, really? That's amazing. Thanks. What about your quirk? Salomo asked kicking his legs. Am mine? Um, it's called Operation. Izuku told him. Operation? You mean like a doctor? Um, it's sort of like that, but it's different. Izuku mumbled. What do you mean? Izuku started kicking his legs now too. I, I can create a blue sphere and anything in it I can control. Wow. That sounds cooler than my quirk. Salomo told him. Eh? No way, your quirk's better. Izuku said honestly. Both boys became quiet before they suddenly started laughing all the while still kicking their legs. Izuku couldn't remember the last time he talked with another kid his age and not have that kid call him quirkless or make fun of him all the time. It was nice to feel like this again. Salomo looked around the room again, you have a lot of All Might stuff. That's because All Might's my favorite hero. Izuku told him. He is? Yeah. Salomo looked thoughtful, well, I guess he's okay, but I already have a favorite hero. Really? Who? Izuku asked. He was given the most sincere smile ever, you. Izuku then blushed and started stuttering, Emmy? B but WHY? The blonde kept smiling, because you were so cool yesterday when you protected, protected me from those guys. Izuku couldn't take all of the compliments and hid his face with both hands, quivering, as stop it, you're embarrassing me. Salomo giggled, but it's true. No one has ever done that for me before, but you. That's why, you're my hero. Izuku stopped quivering as a slow but small smile appeared then tears started falling. He was a hero. He was already somebody's hero. He started wiping the tears from his face as he felt Salomo hug him. He wasted no time in returning the hug. He has a friend that saw him as a hero. And that was all he needed. Back in the living room Inko and Salomo's parents were still talking. The green-haired woman was impressed by their son's powerful quirk, while at the same time saddened that it caused his poor health. And because of that, the boy couldn't make any friends, especially since he dressed like a girl. His parents explained that they have him wear girl clothes so that he'll have a healthy body when he grows. Inko know all about that and luckily she didn't have to do that for Izuku since he's a healthy boy. If you don't mind me asking, what are your quirks? Inko asked. Sophia giggled, how silly of us. We were so caught up in talking about our sons that we completely forgot to tell you about our quirks. Asahi chuckled, ladies first. He gestured towards his wife making the woman giggle.
For a split second Inko felt a twinge of jealousy because of the love these two share and how well they support each other. Unlike me and Mai. Shaking her head she smiled before the two. My quirk is telekinesis, Sophia smiled, though I'm sure you already know this already, but I can manipulate any object with my mind. It's advanced over the years and I try not use it against individuals I don't particularly like, but that always seems to fail. Inko nodded with her. Her ability may not be impressive, but that doesn't mean she won't use it to protect her son if need be. Asahi coughed into his fist, my quirk is chaos. Chaos? Inko had never heard of that kind of quirk before. It allows me to create, shape and manipulate the chaotic forces in the universe, allowing me to manipulate probability or manipulate and even shatter reality. He explained. Her eyes became wide. Shatter reality? What a powerful quirk. He gave a nervous chuckle, I guess you can say our son got his quirk from me even though they have different names, they have the same abilities. And his quirk is very powerful, but his drawback is very different. Sophia said. It's different? He nodded, instead of sickness, it just makes me extremely tired. I once overused it so much I was put into a coma, but that was back during my younger years. I've got no reason to try and use it to the full extent now, well, not unless I have to. I see. Inko said. Sophia looked at the clock and stood up, look at the time, we must be going. Inko stood up as well, it was a pleasure having you here, please do come over again. Salomo is welcome to come by anytime he wants to play with Mayazuku. Thank you for your kindness. Asahi bowed. Sophia meanwhile knocked politely on Izuku's room and when she didn't get a response, she opted to open the door instead. Once the door was open she instantly froze at the sight before her. There her son was hugging Izuku as they were fast asleep. It was the cutest sight she had ever seen. What is a DAO? Asahi made an O shape when he saw the two boys hugging each other in their sleep. Inko had to hold back a squeal at the cuteness, but it was very hard for her. I need to take a picture. She whispered. Sophia wasted no time in getting out her camera, I'll make sure to send you lots of copies. Inko loved the woman. Asahi sighed as this seemed to be a normal thing, thing with him. The only difference was this time his wife had a friend she could do these kinds of things with. Oh, joy. Months passed and the incident Izuku accidentally caused was forgotten by civilians, but that didn't mean the heroes wouldn't be on the lookout for him but he wasn't worried about it right now. Having met Salomo he trained his body hard with the help of La-sensei, Zoro-sensei, Luffy-sensei, and Sanji-sensei. One week, Law would work with him on his devil fruit abilities, the next week he would work on sword techniques with Zoro. The week after that, he and Luffy would go into the woods and he would practice his Haushoku no Haki, Conqueror's Haki, on the wildlife there, even though he was scared most of the time. Next, he would work with Sanji and the blonde-haired chief taught him Kuroshi no Waza, black leg style, which he thought fit the tall man perfectly. Since he was so small his kicks didn't really have an impact on a man taller and stronger than him, but he still practiced and made sure to write down the list of techniques Law, Zoro, and Sanji Sensei taught him. It's become a habit of his lately. 
He would start to write things about quirks and observe those with said quirks. His first analysis was on his idol All Might before he went on and made more notes on the other heroes and even some villains. It doesn't hurt to be prepared in the near future. When he had days off from training he would spend all his time with Salomo and they would have their annual sleepovers on Friday. Since it was still summer vacation, Izuku was taking full advantage of spending time with his friend. Salomo didn't use his quirk all that much, mostly because it would affect his health, but they still had fun. He asked his mom to get him a book about the human body, which she happily got and he would read the books very carefully. Since Salomo's quirk makes him sick then maybe he could try and heal his friend when they're older. When Inko asked if they wanted to invite Bakugo to one of their sleepovers both boys told her no. The woman wasn't blind not to notice her son didn't want to be near Bakugo anymore, and when she asked him why he didn't give her an answer. She took that as a sign to let it go. Obviously whatever happened between the two of them would stay that way, so she wouldn't pry. Everything was fine, until Izuku learned law and the straw hats had to leave. He stood there trying to keep himself from crying as he faced the straw hats and La Sensei. It was a good thing he introduced his friend Salomo to them before this. Everyone took a liking to him too, which he was grateful for. Chopper, Usopp, and Beepo couldn't contain themselves anymore and gave the green-haired boy a hug, we'll miss you, Izuku. They cried in unison. Izuku hugged them all back as best he could, his own tears showing. My turn. Nami said, pushing the three of them out of the way and hugging Izuku close to her. He blushed as he was pushed in between her breasts but otherwise hugged the redhead back. Robin giggled as he got her turn to hug him. Sanji was in the background weeping and crying about how lucky Izuku was right along with Brooke. Luffy had that grin on his face as usual before saying they'll meet again, and deep down Izuku hoped they will. Zaro told him that if he wants to follow the path of a swordsman then he shouldn't hesitate. Izuku didn't understand what he meant by that, but something told him he will eventually. Sanji told him to always respect women, while at the same time Nami told him to never peek in on a woman when she's bathing. And if he finds a boy that tries to do that then he should send him flying. It's better to listen to Nami on that one. Robin told him to always respect history, and he promised her he would. Frankie and Brooke gave him their advice on things before it was finally Law's turn. Law and Izuku were far away from the crew as they talked privately. There were so many things he wanted to say to the man, so many things he wanted to thank him for. There were so many things and yet, no words came out. So many thoughts going through his head all at once, but none came out. They've changed. Law decided to break the silence. Eh? The surgeon turned to him, the look in your eyes, they've changed. Izuku still had no idea what he was talking about. What was wrong with his eyes? Determination. Law emphasized. Izuku's eyes widened as he finally got it. There were people he wanted to protect, his mother and Salomo. That's why he'll do whatever he can to protect them. Grey eyes bored into young green ones, you have power now, so what do you plan to do? Law questioned. Young innocent eyes stared right black into those grey ones, I. He clenched his fists, I'll use this power, to protect those I care about. 
Law raised a brow at the declaration but wasn't surprised in the least. The kid told him that he wanted to be a hero, while Law didn't have a high opinion of those who call themselves heroes he had a feeling this kid will trump them all. With a smirk, Law ruffles the kid's head, then do it. Use that power to protect whoever you want. Izuka grinned happily, mmm. Law's face then became serious, remember, since you have the ability as me, that also means there's a possibility. Izuku nodded, I know, Law-sensei. I promise I won't let anyone know, and I won't use it. Law dropped the subject and decided to leave Izuku with some parting words, I didn't tell you my full name. The boy looked eager to finally hear his sensei's full name. Trafalgar D. Waterlaw. His full name. You have a D in your name, too? Are you related to Luffy-sensei? He asked. Law snorted at the suggestion, nah, but who knows? The will of D is what we are. The will of D? Izuku thought. Whatever it was, it's obvious that the initial D must be important and wondered if maybe he should add it to his name, too. Izuku waved goodbye to them along with Inko who came a lot later. She was sending her silent thanks to Law and the Straw Hats and was sad to see them go, but it is what it is. She will always be grateful to them for everything they've done and pray they have a safe journey. Meanwhile back on the ship Law wasn't convinced as to why they had to leave and decided to voice his thoughts. So, what did you do, Straw Hat ya? Law questioned, seeing not only Luffy flinch, but Zoro and Sanji as well. Nami put both hands on her hips, well? Luffy whistled innocently prompting Nami to whack him upside the head, don't act innocent. Ow, that hurt Nami. Luffy whined, all we did, did was play with some villains and then the heroes showed up so we left. But then they started bothering us even though we had to go so we had a fight. Silence. Usopp grabbed him by the shirt collar, you mean to tell me you picked a fight with both villains and heroes? Are you crazy? But I wanted to see if some of them wanted to join my crew. Luffy said, seeing no problem. What hero was there? Usopp shook him, which one did you piss off the most? Zoro cracked his neck a little, some grinning weirdo who called himself All Might. The color drained from Usopp and Chopper's face when Zoro said the name. He's the number one hero in all of Japan. Usopp and Chopper yelled. Why did you idiots have to pick a fight with the strongest hero? Nami yelled. Zaro gave her an uncaring look, relax, it doesn't matter now anyway since we're leaving this place. That's not the point. Usopp and Chopper exclaimed. Robin giggled at their antics while Law rolled his eyes. What about you, Law? Nami asked, hoping the man didn't do anything to make any heroes mad. Law was calm when he spoke, I went into different hospitals to observe some patients, that's all. Nami and Usopp sighed with relief, thank God. She said. Should have expected Law of all people not to cause any trouble. Usopp smiled. I cut up some idiots that wouldn't stop bothering me afterwards. Law finished. He's no different from the others. Nami and Usopp exclaimed as they went through the portal that brought them here in the first place. Needless to say, the Straw Hat's presence did stir things up as always. Izuku, nice to see you as always. Sophia smiled. 
Hello again, Auntie. Izuku greeted. Salomo's in his room. She told him. Okay. He bowed to her before walking in and heading upstairs. Salomo and his parents live in the neighborhood near them, but they were close enough where Izuku could simply walk there while making sure to always, to always be aware of his surroundings. Seeing the door was open he walked right in the room and saw his friend was reading a book, what are you reading? The blonde smiled, Alice in Wonderland. I love this story. Izuku sat on the bed next to him and saw it was a picture book with words at the bottom, I've never read it before. You should, Salomo told him, it's my favorite story of all time. What's it about? Salomo flips the pages back to the beginning, it's about a girl named Alice who sits on a river bank with her naysan. Feeling bored and drowsy, she sees a white rabbit with a pocket watch run past. Curious, she follows the white rabbit down the rabbit hole and sees a hall with many look doors of all sizes. When she finally lands in Wonderland she meets many different characters, the Mad Hatter, Cheshire Cat, Caterpillar, March Hare, Queen of Hearts, and many others. Wow, it sounds really interesting. Izuku smiled, who's your favorite character? Salomo grinned, the Cheshire Cat. Why is he your favorite? His friend put the book down on the bed, the Cheshire Cat knows all, and is always giving advice even if he gives them out as riddles. He'll always be my favorite character. Izuku picked the book up and stared at the cover, it was of a girl with blonde hair looking up at a cat that was lazing around in a tree. I'm Alice. Green eyes turned to look at clear blue ones, eh? Salomo got off the bed, with both hands behind his back, I'm Alice and this is the real world. But, soon I'll be whisked away to Wonderland. When I'm strong enough, I'll create my own Wonderland with my own characters. He turned and smiled at Izuku, will you come with me, Ikan? Go with Sakchan? To Wonderland? With his quirk he could create his own world with his own characters that resemble those in the Alice and Wonderland world. With a smile he held out his hand, Mm. Let's go together, Sakchan. Salomo grinned as he took the hand held out to him, squeezing it slightly. For the rest of the day they stayed in Salomo's room and did drew what sort of world his wonderland would look like and the many characters that lived there. The blonde's drawings were amazing and he complimented him on it, much to the blonde's delight. As they were drawing, Salomo told Izuku that he would be going to the same school as him which made Izuku grin and tackle his friend in a hug. Summer vacation will end in two days and Izuku was looking forward to going back to school with his best friend. Time seemed to go by so quickly for Izuku because before he knew it, he was already in Chugaku. Since the departure of the Straw Hats, the young green-haired boy had continued to train diligently. The friendship between him and Salomo continued. When it was time for them to go back to Shigako, both boys stuck together like glue and only hung around each other while ignoring their classmates as though they didn't matter. The biggest problem of course, was Bakugo. Izuku had stopped calling him Bakugo since that day and hadn't tried to speak to him either, having remembered Zoro-sensei's words. But Bakugo wasn't the type to just leave people he didn't like alone and was always hassling them and saying cruel things since Shigako. The two boys were more preoccupied with others' things to even think about the short-tempered blonde, and Izuku was focused on training and his medical books. 
But in true Bakugo fashion he didn't take kindly to Deku acting all high and mighty, so he did the most typical thing he always did. Pick a fight with Izuku, and out of pure instinct, Izuku kicked the ash-haired blonde in the stomach and nearly sent him flying. Izuku would have apologized but stopped himself and simply walked away with Salomo, neither boy turning back. Izuku was well aware that his classmates still believed he was quirkless and didn't bother to tell them otherwise because it was none of their business. Salomo didn't bother to interact with any of the students either after seeing how they treat his best friend. All in all, the two of them were considered outcasts in the entire school, but neither really cared. Izuku still wrote in his quirk analysis books and had about 20 of them stashed inside his room. He wouldn't dare bring them to school for Bakugo to get a hold of them and try to destroy them. The relationship between the two was estranged to say the least, and his mother noticed it, as did Aunt Mitsuki. He remembered waking up late at night and overheard the two of them talking, Aunt Mitsuki was telling his mom how she noticed the two of them hadn't been hanging out with each other. Not wanting to hear more of their conversation, he went back to his room. There was still a part of him that believed Bakugo had a good heart and his mother always told him that people aren't always what they seem. If that's true, then why didn't he believe it? A poke to the cheek made him lift his head up from the desk. He gave a mini glare to his friend who gave him a cheeky grin in return. Good morning, sleepy head. Salomo smiled. Smiled. It's been years, but his friend had opted to let his hair grow long and it surprisingly looked good on him. He noticed the blonde was wearing his hair in a low ponytail today, it's a wonder he didn't get any love letters from girls. Izuku sat up straight in his chair letting out a small yawn, I wasn't sleeping. If that's true, then why is there drool on the side of your mouth? Salomo smiled. With a small blush he wiped the drool from his mouth pouting as his friend chuckled at his misfortune, it's not funny. It is to me. The pout on his face doubled if possible, making the blonde chuckle and comment how cute it was. As Salomo took a seat next to the boy he noticed something. Did you gain more muscle? He asked, grabbing the green-eyed boy's arm and squeezing it to confirm. Izuku rubbed the back of his neck, probably, I might have gained some more muscle in my legs more than my arms. He said as the blonde let his arms go, what about you? How are you feeling today? Salomo smiled, I feel fine, actually. My mom's been taking your advice for me to train my body a lot more and I haven't felt any pain or sickness. Thank you for your great advice, Dr. Izuku. Izuku almost choked on his spit at the indication, I'm not a doctor. Well, not yet anyway. He mumbled the last part. The blonde leaned on his desk, but I'm surprised. Do you plan on being a both a hero and a physician? Izuku fully faced the blonde, I am. You could say La Sensei kinda got me interested in it to begin with. Whenever we took a break from training together, he would tell me about how he used his powers to become a great surgeon and save some people. But, I have another reason why I want to become a doctor. He tilted his head away from Salomo when he mumbled that last part, I'll become a doctor and I'll make sure you never feel pain from your quirk ever again. He saw firsthand how Salomo's quirk affected his health over the summer before they became Chugaku students. Salomo said he was feeling good enough to use more of his powers, but that soon backfired when he gripped his chest tightly and fell to the floor writhing in pain. 
Izuku had never felt so scared in all his life, as he clutched his friend's hand tightly and stayed with him until they arrived at the hospital. After he was cleared to leave after a week and his fever went down, he recovered at home until his fever was gone completely. Izuku stayed over all that time, wanting to be there for his friend. He would never do that with Bakugo, and even if he tried the explosion quirk user would sneer and say he didn't need his help. Izuku used the time he spent over at Salomo's place to go through some more of his medical books. Since the blonde's quirk affected his health so badly, then the best thing to do right now is to make sure his body's both strong and healthy enough to handle it. So Izuku had his friend work out just like him, but nothing too intense though. Slowly but surely Salomo was able to use more of his quirk and hasn't had another incident since, but Izuku was still worried. Salomo huffed in amusement, last I heard Anne Inko was trying to get you to intern with a hero that has a healing quirk. Yeah, Izuku confirmed, the only person I know of with a healing quirk is Recovery Girl, but I don't know if she'll let me observe her. What are you saying? Of course she will, Salomo assured him, out of every single individual in this whole school there are only three smart people here. You, me, and him, but out of us three you might as well be a prodigy when it comes to the medical field. I wouldn't go so far as to call me that, Izuku moved some of his hair from his eyes, when it comes to me, once I start towards a goal, I can't back down. This is no different. I know. Or did you forget that I know you better than anyone? Salomo reminded. Izuku snorted, no, I haven't forgotten. Salomo chuckled, and besides, he taped his forehead, we have a closer bond than anyone. The green curly-haired boy merely smiled. Back when they were in elementary school, Salomo decided to link their minds together so they would be able to know if either one was in trouble. He didn't think much of it, but knew it was convenient. Are you still playing the piano? Izuku asked randomly. Still playing the guitar? Salomo countered. Izuku gave him a mock glare, I blame you for that by the way. Who me? Why? He questions innocently. Izuku leaned back towards the window, if you hadn't suggested a guitar would be good for me I never would have tried to play one and gotten hooked. You can't blame me for that. There was a part of you that always wanted to play an instrument. You just didn't know which one to start with. Salomo stated. Well, I like listening to some music overseas and watching some guitar tutorials, so I can't say that I hate it. My mom was surprised I wanted to learn to play the guitar though, she seemed really happy about it. Izuku sighed. I figured she would, has she bought you one yet? He asked. Izuku nodded, she did. I play for her sometimes. Salomo leaned his head down on the desk. Desk, hey, Ikan? Hmm. Salomo stared into his eyes before speaking up again, the two of us, we'll become heroes together, won't we? A smile appeared on Izuku's face, of course. A soft chuckle escaped the blonde's lips, you're still my hero. He said softly. I know. Izuku responded in kind. Their conversation ended when the teacher came in and everyone went to their seats. The two of them already decided they were going to UA together and were going to be in the hero course. From the information he gathered, the school had many different departments. 
There was the Department of Heroes, Department of General Education, Department of Support, and Department of Management. Since Salomo's health has improved from what it once was, he'll be able to join the same department as him. There's a possibility Bakugo would be attending too, but he could care less. The friendship that was once between the two had died out years ago. Location Eldora Junior High, Gym. The class was doing gym outside today, which Izuku was okay with. He would rather do workouts outside rather than inside. The fresh air and beaming sunlight felt nice and was relishing every second of it. You look all set and ready to go. Salomo said, walking towards him. Izuku smiled, I can't help it. This school isn't my favorite place to be, but I don't mind the classes here. Especially PE. You would, Salomo said with amusement, help me stretch? Izuku stood up, only if you help me. Yes, yes. The two of them did their stretches and Izuku was still surprised with how flexible his friend was. Pretty limber, too. Done with the stretching, the two simply waited for the teacher to tell them what they were going to do today. The teacher blew the whistle that got the other kids' attention, listen up. Today will be a free day, so that means all of you are free to do whatever you want. You can play ball, volleyball, soccer, or do stretches, anyway you're free to do any activity you want. Hi! They all chorused. Salomo gave Izuku a side look, so he says. Says. Guess you're stuck with me. Izuku smiled. Please take good care of me, Iken. Salomo chuckled. Likewise. A pair of red eyes had been glaring at them since this morning. Bakugo continued to glare at Deku in that, transblond for what felt like an eternity. Since that incident he noticed many things had changed. First, Deku stopped trying to hang around him all the damn time. Second, he and that damn blonde had been together since Shigako and refused to interact with anyone else. And lastly, that damn nerd had gotten full of himself lately. The kick to the gut was just the beginning, next the little turd would start thinking he could kick his ass without even trying. Who the hell did he think he was? Hey, hey, those two are always hanging out together. One of the boys next to him said. Heard they'd been friends since Shigako, the boy next to him informed, come to think of it, didn't they go to the same school as you Bakugo? Bakugo gave him a fierce glare, shut up. Whoa, whoa, calm down. Another boy tried to calm the blonde down. TCH, Bakugo returned his glare back over to Azuku and Salomo, damn corkless nerd. The boy next to him with the short blonde hair smirked and picked up a baseball, then why don't we put him in his place? Bouncing the ball up and down. Before Bakugo could say anything the other boy had already thrown the ball, aiming right for Izuku's head. The other kids around them simply watched, believing the ball would strike the green-haired teen in the head. But it didn't. Mouths hung wide open they all saw as Izuku grabbed the baseball with his bare hand that had now turned black with steam surrounding it. As seriously. The boy who threw the ball said with wide eyes. Even Bakugo had to stare at what he just witnessed before it contorted into absolute rage. He couldn't believe that fucking nerd had been hiding his strength this whole damn time. 
Izuku said nothing as he threw the ball right back at the idiot who thought it'd be funny to throw it at him, and watched with hidden amusement as it got the boy right in the gut making him keel over. His arm became normal again and he flexed his fingers a little bit. After the first time he used his Busoshoku no Haki, Armament Haki, he kept training with it and soon enough it went from purple to black. He was worried about it at first, but since it didn't seem to bother him in the least he left it alone. He heard Salomo chuckle next to him and rolled his eyes, not funny. Pretty funny from where I'm standing. The blonde countered. Izuku pouted, whatever. I'm going to do some more stretches. He said, walked away. Lead the way. Salomo teased, following right behind him. You're enjoying this, aren't you? Izuku deadpanned. Maybe. Salomo stuck his tongue out. The students watched the two as they walked away, talking normally like Izuku didn't just catch a baseball and throw it right back at the moron who threw it at him just as hard. Hey man, you okay? One of the boy's friends asked carefully. Ugh. Said boy croaked. Bakugo stood there seething with rage as he watched the two walk away. That little shit. This whole time he had a quirk and hid it from him. Mim. Then what was that he did back when they were six? Was that part of his quirk too? Clenching his fist tightly, he grit his teeth, Deku. Izuku sighed, standing up as the final bell rung. He couldn't wait to get home, especially since he was being bothered by his classmates. He wouldn't have to be dealing with them in the first place had one of Bakugo's lackeys not thought it'd be funny to throw a baseball at him. Once PE was over and they went back to class the rest of the students started pestering him about what his quirk was and why had he been hiding it all this time. He ignored all their stupid questions, simply focusing on reading one of his medical books. Aside from looking at his medical books, he was looking up on what might be on the UA written portion of the exam. From what he's seen the written part might be the hardest part of the entrance exam so it's best to study up on the materials now rather than later. Deep in thought? Green eyes locked with clear blue ones, no. It's nothing. Salomo gave him a knowing smile as the blonde wrapped an arm around the green-haired child's shoulder, you're thinking about the UA entrance exam aren't you? Izuku sighed as they walked out of the classroom, it's been on my mind lately. It'll be okay, Salomo said, you'll do great on the written portion of the exam. Actually, you'll get the highest score out of everyone there. I could try, but who knows? Izuku said. Sal Salomo walked on top of a stone wall, making sure to keep his balance, we'll be heroes together. That's our promise. M.M. Izuku agreed with a nod. Salomo then faced Izuku, hold your hands out. Eh? Why? Just do it. Izuku sighed and did as he was told, yes, yes. He felt the soft touch of Salomo's hands covering his own. He always thought Salomo's hands were soft even when they were little. Sometimes when they took naps together during one of their sleepovers, Izuku would wake up first and noticed they were holding hands. It was at that moment he realized just how soft his friend's hands were. These same soft hands that was burdened with a powerful quirk that his body wasn't able to handle. Yet despite all that, Izuku had never once heard his friend complain and took everything in with stride and with a smile plastered on his face, but he could tell. 
He could tell from just one look, that his friend was in constant pain, but tried not to let it bother him. You can open your palms now. Salomo's voice rang through his ears. Izuku blinked as he realized he had been so lost in thought that he didn't notice Salomo had let his hands go. Having both hands together he slowly opened them, revealing something small yet so cute in the palm of his hands. He was possibly staring at the cutest little animal he had ever seen. It was orange with black stripes like a tiger, cream-colored hands and feet and on its belly, and finally topping it off with two cream-colored tails and around its neck. It was absolutely adorable. Izuku's eyes lit up as he stared at the adorable creature, so cute. Salomo chuckled, I based it off of a Iriamote cat I saw in a picture book once. Izuku was about to say something else when he saw the little thing yawn cutely before opening its eyes, which he noticed were green. The small kitten stared at him before letting out the most adorable meow he'd ever heard. Judging, judging by her face I take it you like her. Salomo grinned. Izuku nodded his head up and down, what's her name? I'm not the one who has to name her, you do. Me? Well yeah, she is yours. Izuku turned his attention back to the small kitten and used his finger to rub under her chin, making her purr a little. There were a whole list of names he could give her, but only one had to be special. A name that expresses how much he'd love having her around and show just how much she was beloved. Beloved. Nala. Nala gave out another meow, responding to her new name. It was decided then. She would be named Nala. African for beloved, right? Salomo inquired. Yeah. Salomo rubbed the top of Nala's head with a smile, I like it. It suits her. Izuko snorted, mom's gonna love her. Now that I don't doubt. Known fact that Izuku's mother absolutely adored small and cute things. Location Midoriya Residence. I'm home. There was a noise coming from the kitchen as his mother appeared, welcome back. How was school? Izuku took his shoes off, the usual. Aunt Inko. Salomo came out from behind Izuku and hugged the woman with a smile, missed you. Inko giggled softly, rubbing their boy's back, you're so silly. You see me every time you come over here. Salomo removed his face from her shoulder and pouted, I still missed you. She rubbed his cheek gently, so sweet. What took you boys so long? Izuku said nothing as he merely showed her Nala. She froze stiff in place, staring at the adorable little kitten. When Nala rubbed her head with her paw, that was it for Inko. All self-control went out the window as she scooped up the little cutie and rubbed her cheek against the tiny kitten. So cute! She squealed. Izuko gave Salomo a look, told you. Well at least she likes her. Salomo chuckled. Inko held the little one in front of her, where did you find this adorable creature? I made her. Salomo told her. Eh? You made her? Are you okay? Do you need me to get you some medicine? Inko rambled off with worry. Salomo had both hands in front of him, trying to calm her down, I'm fine, Aunt Inko. Creating something that small doesn't bother me. She sighed in relief, thank goodness for that. 
Now what's this little one's name? Nala. Izuku told her. Nala jumped away from Inko and went back to Izuku, landing on one of his shoulders. She rubbed against his cheek and mewled. He rubbed underneath her chin, she's going to be living with us from now on mom, is that okay? Of course it is. She told him immediately, such an adorable creature can only stay here with us and no one else. She skipped back into the kitchen, leaving a trail of flowers as she did so. Salomo blinked and rubbed his eyes, did I just see flowers? Don't bother trying to figure out how it's possible. I had already given up. Izuku told him as they went to his room. He placed his bag on the bed as Nala jumped down from his shoulder and settled on the pillow, curling up into a little ball. I just thought of something. Salomo spoke. What is it? Izuku asked as he skimmed through his quirk analysis notes. Salomo gave him a gentle smile, you'd make a great NEI-san. A choked sound came from curly green-haired teen as he gave his friend a disbelieving look. Him an older brother? Doubtful. You don't look convinced. Salomo said with an amused look. Well of course. Izuku almost yelled, why would you say that all of a sudden? But it's true, Salomo smiled, you're always taking care of people with such love and care. If you were to suddenly become a big brother it would be the same. Izuku turned away as a blush covered his whole face at the statement, why you don't know that? Yes I do. Salomo teased. Before Izuku could try and get his hands on the smiling blonde, Nala jumped in his his lap and stayed there instead of the pillow. See? Even Nala agrees with me. Salomo said. Izuku rubbed the kitten's head as she had her eyes closed, enjoying the caress. Such a small thing. Since you created Nala, does that mean she has her own special ability? Izuku asked. One thing he asked about his friend's quirk is that if whatever creation he made had their special abilities, Salomo confirmed they did, but their abilities were their own and not coming from him, so that's a good thing. But it's amazing how his creations have their own abilities that don't draw from him and use their own energy. He can however end their existence if he felt like it, but Salomo was far too kind-hearted to do something like that. Yep. But as for what they are, you're going OT have to figure that out for yourself. He said. I thought so. Izuku reached over, grabbing one of his medical books off the table. Salomo was flat on his back, staring up at the bedroom ceiling, there's a sense of comfortness whenever I'm in this room. Good. Izuku said. Blue Eyes looked over at the teen on the bed, Ikan, I never asked before and feel free to ignore what I'm about to ask now if you want. What is it? Hesitation creeped within him but he pressed on, about your dad. He noticed Izuku had all but abandoned the book he was reading, his attention completely on Salomo. What about him? Izuku's voice was so calm and devoid of emotion that it almost scared Salomo. Izuku was kind, always smiling, and didn't have a hateful bone in his body. No, nothing. It was best not to ask after all. Since both his aunt and Izuku hadn't mentioned him before, he also hadn't seen a single picture of the man either. Overseas. Eh? Izuku sighed and put the book down, when I was four years old I was declared quirkless.
Three days later, he said he had to go on a long business trip overseas. Salomo didn't interrupt and listened. I would sometimes try and call his workplace, but his assistant kept telling me he was in a business meeting, Izuku continued. For Father's Day I made him a card and when I called his secretary to confirm he got it she told me that instead of opening the envelope I sent it in, he said he had no interest in looking at it. Salomo was about to start yelling but the look on Izuku's face told him he wasn't done yet, so he kept it in. I remember standing there shaking as I held the phone to my ear. It was at that point I got his hidden message, I refuse to acknowledge I'm related to you in any way. Izuku said calmly. Salomo had remembered a time where Bakugo had made fun of the fact that Izuku's father wasn't around. Izuku hadn't heard the comment of course, which was a blessing in disguise, but if he had, then what would his reaction be back then? I stopped trying to contact him after that and asked mom if she could cut his face out of some photos we had of him, Izuku said, she didn't even question me as to why I wanted her to do that. He stopped talking not wanting to continue the conversation anymore. Arms wrapped around him in a comforting embrace and he leaned his head on his friend's shoulder. He felt Nala lick his fingers as if trying to cheer him up in her own way. He appreciated the gestures from both of them and considered himself lucky to have met Salomo. Very grateful. She agreed to see you? Salomo questioned. Yeah, recovery girl is willing to see me and see the extent of my quirk. Izuku explained. Salomo beamed, see? Told you she'd see you. You. Izuku refused to look back and see a smug look on the blonde's face. He absolutely refused. By the way, where's Nala? As if summoned by his voice said cat popped out of Izuku's hair and made a cute sound just like all kittens do. In his defense, Salomo tried every hard not to laugh and was doing a pretty good job. His shoulders were shaking so much Izuku wondered if his desk would start shaking right along with him. Stop laughing, Izuku pouted feeling Nala move around in his hair, I tried to leave her at home many times but she just kept following me, so I had no choice but to take her with me. Salomo's shoulders stopped shaking as he calmed down from his laughter, th this is just too cute. Oh, whatever. Izuku turned his head away as Nala retreated back into the safety of his soft hair. So, Salomo said, leaning forward in his seat. Izuku raised a brow, what? Don't what me? When are you supposed to meet with recovery girl? In three days. Salomo rubbed his head, being mindful of Nala, I'm so proud of you, Ikan. Izuku blushed, don't pet me like I'm some kind of dog. There, there. Salomo said playfully. Izuku slumped, just do whatever you want. He resigned. I intend to. Salomo said with a cheeky grin. Their conversation did have an eavesdropper though. And said eavesdropper was glaring at them with red burning eyes as he heard everything. Bakugo had heard the name Recovery Girl before and even met the short woman a long time ago, back at the hospital he and some other people were in. He didn't know why Deku was trying to get in touch with the woman and didn't really care. The only possible reason the nerd would even need to see the short hag was probably because of the annoying blonde. He overheard the old hag talking to Aninko about the blonde, something about how powerful his quirk is and how his body was too weak to handle it, and that he got his quirk at age 3 instead of 4. He refused to believe that. 
He refused to believe that the blonde was stronger than him, especially with a weak body. And the fact that he was hanging around the nerd of all people made his blood boil even more. The two of them together really pissed him off. Later. And there we go. Salomo placed the last of the gym equipment in the equipment room before walking out and locking the door behind him. With a sigh he moved his arm around in circular motion to get some stiffness out. He hadn't told Izuku yet, but he wasn't feeling as much pain as he did back when they were kids. If he was careful enough that also meant he would be able to use his quirk to its fullest in due time, but he couldn't go wild just yet. He was starting to get impatient actually. He needed to get stronger so he could protect Izuku and his parents. Izuku was still his hero, but he wanted to be his hero too, not just have it completely one-sided. His eyes became determined, soon, soon, I'll be able to carry all of your burdens. What's with that look? A familiar voice questioned. Salomo sighed inwardly as he heard the familiar voice of Katsuki Bakugo. There was just something about this boy that for the life of him he just couldn't understand. His desire to be a hero was there, but that sheer arrogance he exuded was less to be desired, and his hatred for Rickon was also less than pleasant. Reluctantly he turned to the angry teen with neutral look while sending an SOS signal to Izuku. Oh, you. He said. Apparently Bakugo didn't like that response and instantly got angry. Why the hell is someone like you trying to be a hero? Bakugo demanded. I could say the same to you. I asked you first, bastard. Salomo sighed, your yelling is really unpleasant. He said rubbing his ear. You little dash. Can you get to the point as to why you waited here for me, Salomo interrupted, surely you have a reason, right? Bakugo sneered at the blonde teen, you've been hanging around that damn Deku since we were brats. What the hell for? Sol Salomo raised a brow at such a question. Was Bakugo Katsuki truly so foolish? What a stupid thing to ask. He stated. What was that? Bakugo growled. Salomo crossed his arms, as far as I'm concerned my relationship with Ikken is of no concern of yours or anyone else's. You've made it quite clear you don't consider him as your friend and he feels the same way for he hasn't even thought about you in years. I don't give a damn about what that nerd thinks about. Then why are you so annoyed? Bakugo had nothing to say to that and Salomo merely sighed. Whether it was jealousy or just pure hatred, the way Bakugo feels about Izuku would always be strained. If that's all I need to go now. Salomo said walking past the teen. Oi! How strong is your quirk? Bakugo questioned. Salomo stopped dead in his tracks, that's something you don't need to know. Ha! Huh? You looking down on me? Hardly, Salomo said calmly, I will only show my quirk to one person, and that person is not you. Bakugo's hand lit up, what the hell is that supposed to mean? He demanded in a low tone that sounded dangerous and promised pain. Salomo said boy saw Izuka running right towards him and had to give a small smile at seeing his friend's worried face. He looked a little mad too. Izuka reached him rather quickly and grabbed his hand, let's go. After you. Salomo smiled. 
Izuku didn't even bother to look back at Bakugo and simply dragged their blonde off. Bakugo stared as they left and grit his teeth before slamming his fist into the wall. Deku that fucker. Salomo yelped as Izuku practically tried to tear his jacket off his body, Ikan, what are you doing? Izuku's face was completely focused as he answered the blonde, checking you for burns. Bakugo wouldn't hesitate to use his quirk on someone simply because they got on his nerves. As sad as that fact was it was still true. Bakugo Katsuki was well known for his temper and his use for using his quirk, quirk on people. Salomo honestly didn't understand why the boy wanted to become a hero with his personality and believed he was more suited for the villain role than anything. He removed Izuku's hands from him with a smile, I'm fine, Ikken. He didn't do anything to me, we just talked. Izuku raised a brow, talked? About what? Salomo thought back to their conversation, why I want to become a hero, you, and how powerful my quirk is. To anyone else those questions may seem like normal questions but Izuku knew from his experience with Bakugo that his questions were more like gathering information. Bakugo was trying to weed out the competition by demanding answers and Salomo wouldn't budge. As much as he didn't want to believe it, he couldn't deny Bakugo's true nature. He saw everything as a competition, when he got his quirk first, when he declared he was going to UA. Everything was just a competition to him and nothing more. But it seems his drive has only gotten worse with the appearance of Izuku's own quirk and Salomo coming into the picture with his own powerful quirk. Bakugo would either see them as a threat or stepping stones and nothing more, which explains his more hostile tendencies towards the two of them. Izuku wasn't the, the type of person to get angry at someone or rage out at them but Bakugo was really testing his patience, and now he was trying to have a one-on-one -on -one with Salomo? If anything should happen to his friend because of Bakugo, there will be hell to pay. He wasn't the weak Deku anymore, he was Midoriya Izuku. Hands touched his face and blue eyes peered into his with concern, he didn't do anything to me, so don't show such a scary face. Izuku blinked before getting his anger under control, sorry, it's just, I want him to leave us alone already. Salomo smiled, bumping their foreheads together, you know what I think? I think he's jealous that I'd become your your best friend instead of him. A snort escaped Azuka's lips, him? Jealous? Don't believe me? He would rather use his quirk on me and leave me in a ditch somewhere than be jealous. Izuku doubted the ash-haired blonde even knew of such a word. Salomo moved his forehead away from Izuku's, he asked how powerful my quirk is and why I want to be a hero. My guess is the reason he asked that is because he knows my quirk is powerful, but too much on my body. I'm not surprised he knows, Izuku stated, my mom still talks to Aunt Mitsuki but she wouldn't tell him about your condition, so he probably eavesdropped on their conversation. In other words, he sees me as a threat. Salomo deduced. That or he sees you as a pebble to step over. Izuku said. Hmm, then the same can be said for you too. Salomo said. Izuku looked frustrated, I'm not interested in being his rival or anything else. I feel the same way, Salomo told him, don't worry, I doubt he's the type to do anything drastic to get what he wants. Like wanting to see my quirk for example. Yeah. Izuku said, not sounding too sure about that. He feared Bakugo would try something to make Salomo show his quirk to him. 
Two days later, Izuku's uneasy feeling about Salomo and Bakugo's first encounter was realized. There was this uneasy feeling in his chest that just wouldn't die. Since Salomo's one-on-one -on -one encounter with Bakugo yesterday he had this uneasy feeling that wouldn't disappear. Nala had been getting restless herself and that had only made him even more nervous than before. Izuku. The voice of his mother called out to him. Ha! Ha! Inko had just gotten off the phone apparently and was now addressing him, that was your grandfather. He said a package will be here for you after school today. Package? He sent me something? Yep. She smiled, says it would suit you. Hasn't told me what it is though. Izuku was curious as what his grandfather would have sent him. Both grandparents are from his mother's side and both loved him very much even when he was diagnosed as quirkless. His grandmother, whose looks resembled his mother was just as sweet as can be. Now he knew where his mom got her kind and loving personality from. He looked up to his grandfather as father figure in his life and respected the man deeply, hell he wanted to be just like him when he became a hero. His grandfather was a professional hero back in the day but retired when grandma was pregnant with mom. Grandfather told him that he had his own hero name even though he said he didn't want one. His hero name was Edge, the reason they called him that is because he fought with dual blades. Wait a minute. Dual blades. That means, that means his grandfather was going to send him his dual blades. Excitement bubbled in his chest. His grandfather was entrusting him with his swords, the same swords he used to protect people and put fear into the hearts of villains. He got up from the table quickly but not before giving his mother a kiss goodbye, heading right for Salomo's place to tell him the good news. After about 10 minutes he met up with Salomo and told him what his grandfather had sent him. He really sent you his dual blades? That's great. Salomo smiled. I know, right? Izuku agreed, I've been in love with his swords since I first laid eyes on them. Did you ever tell your grandfather you were thinking of using his sword for your quirk? Salomo asked. Izuku nodded, yeah, I told him a long time ago and I guess he remembered. Remembered. I'm glad your grandfather is giving you his swords, Salomo said, it means he's passing on his legacy to you. Izuku grinned unable to wipe it from his face. That bad feeling he had been getting was nothing more than a dull ache, but it was still there. Just what is about to happen? Today was just like any normal day at school, but Izuku still felt like something bad was about to happen. Nala had been on edge all day herself and wouldn't stop moving in his hair even though the teacher didn't notice which he wasn't surprised about in least. But Kogo wasn't helping, what with his intense stare directed at Salomo all damn day. Salomo assured him that it was just Bakugo being Bakugo and to think about those swords he was getting when he got home from school today. He tried, he really tried to listen to Salomo and think positive, but couldn't. After school that bed feeling reared its ugly head in a vicious way. And he'll never forget it. After school. Izuku sighed as he retrieved his shoes from his locker and about to head off to wherever Salomo was. Salomo had told him his forgot something back at the classroom and to wait for him, but he couldn't. As he stepped away from his locker he suddenly felt a warning signal from Salomo. Ikken. He didn't even think about it. His legs were already moving, running to where he believed Salomo was.
He guessed it was his hockey that allowed him to sense people which he practiced with frequently. His heart was pounding in his chest as he kept running, praying that whatever was going on with Sakchan he would get there in time. Time. It can't be because he's in pain from his quirk, so then. His eyes widened, Bakugo. He grit his teeth, eyes flashing with anger, why are you doing this, Bakugo? Salomo meanwhile kept dodging Bakugo's explosions as he ran outside behind the school. Bakugo Katsuki was certainly persistent he'd given that, but to the point where he would force someone who didn't want to use their quirk against him? Just why in the world was Bakugo so insistent in him showing his quirk in the first place? Was it so that he could assume some male dominance? If so, then how foolish. He jumped again to avoid another explosion as he arrived behind the school. Panting a little he put a hand to his chest to calm down his beating heart. He wasn't used to this much adrenaline, nor running as fast as he did. Hopefully Izuku got his SOS message and was heading towards their location. He gripped his chest feeling slight pain and cursed, not good. My quirk is trying to activate out of pure instinct. This is bad. Hurry, Ikken. Another explosion got his attention as he saw Bakugo walk out of the smoke with a menacing look. Nowhere to run now. He said menacingly. Salomo stood up slowly from his hunched position calmly, honestly, what do you gain from trying to make me show my quirk? He was trying by himself some time to keep his quirk from activating. Bakugo stopped in his tracks, you're holding back. Obviously. Salomo countered tiredly as the pain was starting to get worse, hurry and come, Ikken. Why does someone like you with a weak body have a strong quirk? He demanded. Salomo let out a huff, who knows. But I'm grateful. Ha! Huh? Taking slow steady breaths he elaborated, while having a weak body does, does hinder me in using my quirk at its fullest, I don't curse myself for having it. If I hadn't had this quirk, if I hadn't come here, if I hadn't met Ikken, I never would have understood what happiness is. Happiness? Bakugo scoffed, don't fuck with me. Stop fucking around and show me just how strong you are. The pain was getting worse. The last time he felt pain like this was back when he and Ikken were kids and he went too far with his quirk that landed him right in the hospital. It was happening right now, only this time he could feel this will be worse than the last attack he had. As his vision was starting to blur he gave a shaky smile, I think I'll pass. Bastard. Bakugo was gearing up for an explosion. Salomo expressed a calm smile, I can't hold it anymore, I'm sorry, Ekin. His chest glowed brightly as he let out a scream when the bright light from his chest bursts free. The light reached the sky as the color matched the bright light Salomo was emitting. Bakugo was sent flying as a result of the released light, but didn't have time to get himself together as Izuku knocked him out of the way and went towards Salomo. Sak-chan. Izuku hugged the boy as the last of the light left his body. The sky returned to its orange-like hue. All was quiet as Izuku held his best friend in his arms, Sakchan, can you hear me? Salomo slowly opened his half-lidded eyes as he looked at Izuku with a faint smile, Ikken. I'm sorry. I came too late. Izuku apologized hysterically, try not to talk. Salomo chuckled softly, I'm okay, just tired. No. You need to stay awake. Do not close your eyes. 
Izuku told him. A pale hand touched his cheek as Salomo kept his kind smile. I'll be okay, I feel warm, but I'm very tired. Salomo said as his eyes were slowly closing. Sak-chan. You have to stay awake, Sak-chan. Izuku pleaded as tears streamed from his eyes. The blonde's vision was getting more blurry as, as tried to keep them open. Don't cry, Ekin. I'm just going to sleep for a little while. I'll see you when I wake up. His eyes fully closed as he went limp in Izuku's arms. Sak-chan? Izuku called out shaking the blonde a little. Come on, wake up. Please wake up, Sak-chan. He leaned his head down on Salomo's chest and was relieved to hear a heartbeat. Quickly Izuku put the blonde on his back as he took off running, his destination the hospital his parents had been taking him to since they arrived here in Japan. Please. Please let me get there. He could feel power in his legs as he moved fast, but not too fast, where he would drop his friend. Location Muzutafu General. Izuku burst through the door scaring the living hell out of the receptionist and some nurses that were still on duty. He fell to his knees as they gave out due to his adrenaline running out, as he finally got his breathing under control he spoke. Help, please. He lifted his head as his tears showed, please, help, him. He fell to his side as he passed out, he could faintly hear some footsteps coming towards him as one of the nurses shouted for the doctor to arrive. Slowly green eyes came back to reality and Izuku shot out of his bed and looked around in a panic, but stopped when he felt someone hug him. He stopped all movement as he sensed it was his mother. It's okay, Izuku. I'm here. Inko told him softly. There was a hiccup before cried in his mother's arms as he returned her embrace. He had arrived too late. Had he been faster, then Salomo would be okay. He should have went with Salomo when he went back to the classroom to get what he left behind. Behind. Why? Why was he too late? He was supposed to be Salomo's hero. So, why? Inko said nothing as she rubbed her son's head with soft soothing strokes, letting him cry his eyes out. She had been scared out of her mind when the hospital called, informing her that Izuku had burst into the hospital with Salomo on his back. She had immediately notified Salomo's parents and they met her at the hospital. Inko went to see her son first while Sophia and Asadi went to see their son, Salomo. She had no idea what happened but judging by her son's crying, it can't be good. The greenette had finally stopped crying and reluctantly removed himself from his mother's comforting embrace. Nala who had popped up out of nowhere landed on the boy's lap and meowed. I want to see him. Izuku said. Inko nodded and helped her son out of bed as she led him to where they were keeping Salomo. Nala had retreated back into Izuku's hair during their walk, since animals aren't allowed in hospitals she had hide in his hair to avoid detection. Izuku heard the distinct sound of crying and knew it had to be coming from Sophia, his aunt and Salomo's mother. As they arrived to the room where the crying was he saw Sophia was being held by Asadi as they heard the doctor explain what happened. His heart nearly froze when he saw the state Salomo was in. His friend was hooked up to wires on his arms and he was hooked up to an EEG, a device they used to monitor brain activity. He slowly approached the bed blocking out all sound within the room as he stared down at his friend. His skin looked so pale, almost like he was a ghost. 
His chest was moving up and down as his breathing was steady, the only sign that showed he was still alive. Your son is in a coma which was caused by his quirk, the doctor explained, we're using the EEG to monitor his brain activity and from what I can see your son appears to be okay. We did some more tests and your son's health doesn't appear to be in any danger, though his body is probably experiencing some pain. Izuku touched his friend's cheek feeling just how soft it was. He truly did feel cold. Almost like a corpse. Shaking his head from the negative thought he focused back on his friend. I will be back to check on your son's condition shortly. The man bowed as he walked out of the room. Sophia hugged her son's still form as her tears stained her cheeks, my baby, who? Izuku clenched his fist and Asahi noticed it. Izuku? The man called out to the boy softly. Said boy turned his attention to the man with the most angry expression he could muster, Bakugo, he was trying to get Sakchan to show his quirk, and then this happened. In the past Izuku was too scared of Bakugo to speak out against him, but that was in the past. It was one thing to go after him, but to do this to Sakchan? Unforgivable. Sophia seemed to agree with his inner thoughts because she stopped hugging her son, her face becoming enraged, how dare he? Her voice trembled with pure rage as she was trying to keep her quirk from hurting those in this hospital, he'll pay. Asa grabbed her immediately, you can't, Sophia. After what he did to our son, how can you tell me not to? She yelled. I understand. I'm just as angry as you are and so are Izuku and Inko, he told her, but using our quirks on a mere child will make us no better than him. Sophia seemed to calm down after that but she will never forgive Bakugo Katsuki for doing this to her son. Inko, Inko was angry too. She had known the boy since he was little and saw his outgoing personality, yet that personality soon became one filled with arrogance and anger. She won't cut off her friendship with Mitsuki though, but she fully intended to tell the woman what her son had done and would allow her to pick a suitable punishment for him. Izuku was done with Bakugo Katsuki. After meeting Salomo he was content to just avoid the ash-haired blonde, but now? He was done. He wanted nothing to do with him and if it was confirmed that the two of them would indeed be going to UA. Then that was fine. Both will go to the same high school, but Izuku had no intention of being any sort of rival or anything else. Something in Izuku's eyes changed that day, and the one responsible for that change will forever live with the consequences of his actions. As soon as they got home, there was a delivery man waiting outside for them holding a package in his hands. Izuku took it from the man noticing he was having a hard time carrying it. His mom signed for the package and thanked the man for waiting for them with a bow making him smile and say it was his job. Once they got inside Izuku opened the package calmly as his blank expression didn't change. As he opened the box there before him were two swords. The very same blades that made his eyes sparkle, the same blades his grandfather used. TH Scabbard was beautiful to look at it, with its black color and gold symbols etched all over it. He took one of the blades within in his hand, staring at it before unsheathing it to get a good look at the blade that was inside. As he pulled the sword all the way out he marveled at how beautiful it was. His grandfather's swords. Seiji, Vanquish, and Sifukusha, Conqueror. He sheathed the sword and grabbed the other one before going to his room, closing the door behind him Nala jumped out of his hair and landed on the bed. 
The blades in his hands were both placed on the bed right next to him as he pet Nala. His eyes looked completely dead as he stared off into nothing. He closed high eyes remembering Sakin's smiling face. That's why, you're my hero. Opening his eyes he placed Nala back on the bed with a newfound determination. I am and always will be your hero, Sakchan. Ah, Izuku Kuin you're here. The receptionist smiled. Yeah, you said there was someone here to see me? He inquired. That someone would be me, dearie. An elderly voice got his attention. Looking down he noticed a short, elderly woman with gray hair styled into a bun that has a syringe looped through it. She was wearing a doctor's lab coat and a dress with yellow and red vest-like designs on either side, two yellow buttons, and a pink belt. She also sported pink boots and has a helmet on her head. In addition, Izuku noticed she walked around with a cane designed like a syringe. He knew who she was. Recovery girl. He said. She smiled, that would be me, yes. And you are Midoriya Izuku, the young man with an interesting quirk I've heard about. He nodded. Well follow me then, dearie. She walked away from the receptionist, followed closely by Izuku. The two of them arrived at a patient's room and Izuku noticed it wasn't a hero but a civilian. The man looked like he was sleeping, so maybe she was just checking up on him and wanted to drag him along. This patient has been complaining of stomach problems lately, she explained, I want you to see if you can find the cause as to why that is. He said nothing and simply unsheathed one of the swords he brought with him, Rumu, Rum. A blue circle surrounded them both much to recovery girl's surprise, Sukien, scan. Imbuing his sword with energy he scanned the patient like an x-ray. He remembered La Sensei telling him this could be used to see if an enemy had any weapons or other objects on them and this move could be used to swipe those objects away from them. He noticed, noticed something in the patient's stomach and found what the cause was for the lack of appetite. Sheathing his sword back, he gave her his report, he has a tumor in his stomach. He should get it removed before it becomes a problem. Recovery girl smiled, impressed by the display. She already knew the patient has a tumor in his stomach and was just testing the boy, and he passed with flying colors. Very good, Midoriya dear. She praised, you'll make a good apprentice. Well that wasn't what he was expecting. Don't look so surprised, she told him, with an impressive quirk like yours it would be a waste not to have you for an apprentice. I look forward to working with you, dear. Likewise. He said. She brought out a clipboard, now if you don't mind me asking. While you do indeed have a quirk, you are still listed as quirkless. Because I'm a late bloomer. I didn't get my quirk until I turned six and didn't bother to re-register myself. It was true. He and his mom didn't bother to go back to the scientist who told him he was quirkless and should give up being a hero. I see. Would you mind if I registered your quirk? She asked. He shrugged, do whatever you want. Very well, now then what's the name of your quirk? She asked. The word came to him instantly. Operation. Oh, Izuku you're here. Sophia smiled. Izuku bowed, sorry I'm late, Aunt Sophia. She shook her head, don't apologize, sweetie. 
I heard Recovery Girl was here and that she wanted to see you. How did it go? Izuku closed the door behind him as he sat next her, I'm her apprentice now. She's also going to register me as having a quirk since I'm still labeled as quirkless. He told her as he kept his gaze on Salomo's sleeping face. His skin was no longer pale and there was no longer a need to keep him hooked up to the EEG. There was still a possibility he was in pain but they won't know for sure until he shows signs of it. That's good. Congratulations dear. She hugged him and returned it. How are you holding up? He asked. She sighed, I'm getting there. It's just, he's never been in a coma before so I don't know how long he'll be asleep like this. All we can do is wait. I know. Inko called me not too long before you came here, she informed him, we're going to have a meeting with Mitsuki and Masaru. Izuka showed no emotion. So they were all going to have a meeting, huh? Are you okay with that? He asked. Sophia gave him a smile, I agree with my husband that it's best to handle this peacefully. I bear no ill will against Mitsuki or Masaru for I don't know them as well as Inko. That gave Izuku some relief. As much as he couldn't stand Bakugo, he didn't bear any ill will towards Aunt Mitsuki or Uncle Masaru. They were far too kind to him. Oh, you must Midoriya Izuku. He turned to face the new voice that called out to him. Standing at the door was a woman with long magenta hair, her bangs covering her left eye. She was wearing the standard doctor's uniform with the exception of the red heels she had on. Her right eye, which he noticed wasn't covered up, was orchid-colored. Ichika-sensei. Sophia smiled. Ichika gave a smile of her own as she closed the door behind her, I came to check up on Salomo Kuwen. And you must be Midoriya Kuwen. Yes. He nodded. Nice to meet you, she said, I'm glad you're both here actually. Is there something wrong? Sophia asked worriedly. Ichika-sensei shook her head, no, nothing so serious. I wanted to ask permission to monitor your son's quirk through a machine. Izuko raised a brow, machine? What kind of machine? Sophia asked. Ichika stopped her checkup on Salomo and faced them, it's a machine I'd developed a long time ago. By hooking up the individual's brain to the machine it will allow me to monitor not only brain activity, but how much the individual's quirk affects the body. Izuku stood up suddenly taking the two women by surprise, then, you can tell if he's in pain or not, right? Izuku. Ichika gave him a straight face, yes. Iz Izuku saw this as an opportunity to see if his friend was in pain and another opportunity to do something about it, but the decision rested with Aunt Sophia. Sophia saw the look on his face and smiled, please hook my son up to your machine. Ichika bowed, thank you, ma'am. Izuku grabbed Salomo's hand, if this machine can tell me if you feel any sort of pain while you're unconscious then I'll get rid of it no matter what. The nurses moved Salomo to a special room where Ichika's machine was. Once Salomo was all hooked up brainwaves immediately appeared on screen. Okay, this brainwave pattern is what we call Delta the deep sleep wave, Ichika explained, he has a detached awareness but that just means he's in a healing sleep. So he's in the process of healing himself? Sophia questioned.
Ichika nodded, this also clarifies that he's in a deep sleep, which is very important for the healing process because it's linked with deep healing and regeneration. Izuko gripped Salomo's hand gently, so he's trying to heal some of the damage his quirk caused. And his health? Sophia asked. Actually his health has shown great improvement from what it once was, Ichika reported happily, while that is good news, it's best if he doesn't try to use it at full power unless absolutely necessary. Sophia's sigh of relief made him feel just as good. A beeping sound brought them out of their good mood as they looked at the screen and Ichika-sensei was typing something frantically, looks like there's been some quirk after effects from your son. What does that mean? Sophia asked. Ichika-sensei stopped typing to answer the question, when your son released his quirk in the form of a burst of light, he unknowingly left some after effects. After effects? Sophia questioned. Izuku got what she meant though, meaning that after he unleashed his quirk the way he did, some after effects were, were left behind, like some of his creations. Sophia gave him a surprised look. His quirk is classified as alteration, correct? Ichika inquired. Why yes. Sophia stuttered. Ichika nodded in thought, then the after effects must be your son's creations, and from what I see here this one is having negative effects on your son. Is he in pain? Sophia demanded. Only a little, but that's enough to affect your son. Ichika told her. Izuku stood before her, where is it? Izuku. I promised. He yelled, I promised him a long time ago, that I'd get rid of his pain. Sophia could say nothing to stop him and simply told him this instead, be careful. I'll let Inko know what's going on. Thank you. Izuku thanked her. Ichika held out an earpiece for him to take, which he did, I'll be speaking to you through this. I'll track its location from here and tell you where to go. Also take this, she gave him a silver phone that looks similar to the iPhone, but much more advanced, it's best you have two separate cell phones for this. My phone is already programmed in there, if another one of these after effects occurs I'll contact you immediately. Izuku took the phone from her, placing it in his pocket, I'll be going now. He ran out of the hospital and Ichika got ready. Sophia meanwhile contacted Inko to let her know what was going on. Izuku ran as fast as he could while listening to Ichika-sensei's voice through the earpiece. You're very close. There was a police report not too long ago about a strange cr creature going on a rampage. They think it's someone who's lost control of their quirk, get there quickly. Got it. Izuku yelled as he kept running. Actually, he could get there much faster. I won't make it there at my current speed. In that case. He got ready, Sukai Woku, Skywalk. Izuka shot off like a bullet as he kicked the air to jump higher as though he were flying. His speed increased dramatically as he arrived at his destination quickly and landed on the roof of a building to get a better look. The creature looked like something Salomo could create but in all of the pictures he'd seen, this wasn't one of them. Which means this must have come from some sort of nightmare Salomo had and stuck with him. Izuku, are you there yet? I'm here, he responded placing two fingers on his earpiece, there's some man down there dressed like a detective trying to talk to it. That's Detective Naomi Tsukachi of the police force. 
I can't believe they still think it's a person having lost control of their quirk. Izuku agreed with her, I'm gonna try and lead it away from them. Be careful. I will. He jumped down from the roof and used his armament hockey on his legs and landed directly on the creature's head, slamming it head into the ground. The policemen behind him were sent flying, including the detective as he stood before the creature. Did you get it? Not yet. He said grimly. The creature's head shot up and Izuku finally got a good look at it. It looked like a chimera only much more twisted and ugly looking and oozing some purple substance. Just what the hell kind of nightmare was Salomo having to have made this thing up? You. Get away from there. Nao Mesa yelled. Izuku ignored him and focused on the creature who was doing the same. Just as he was about unsheathed his swords his, his movements froze. Where? His eyes widened as the creature spoke. It. Spoke. What's wrong, Izuku? The creature moved closer, where, is, Alice? Alice? Was this creature, talking about Sakchan? But is it calling him, he suddenly remembered the storybook he and Sakchan had been working on since they were kids. If this creature was here, that means other characters from Sakan's storybook were here, too. Where is Alice? The creature roared as it sent its claw at him, but Izuku jumped out of the way and started running in order to lure the creature away. Like he predicted the creature started following after him, ignoring the police force as they yelled after him and that Naomesa guy tired to follow them but the creature knocked him away with its tail. Luckily the man was okay but he won't try to follow after him and the creature. Izuku, what's going on? Izuku cursed as he dodged another swipe, the creature demanded to know where Alice was. Alice? Who is that? Sak-chan. Izuku told her, when we were kids Sakchan wanted to make his own picture book that was similar to Alice in Wonderland. He made himself as the main character, a male who was named Alice. So then this creature is from the picture book he created? That or it came from a nightmare he had and didn't tell me about it. He was also thinking of creating his own Wonderland as a means of having our own secret hideout. Izuku informed her. I see. But, why is the creature so fixated on you then? Izuku stopped running and turned to face the creature, because I'm close to Sakchan. That was his guess and it wasn't a wrong guess, but then again the creature could just go to where Sakchan was, which was the hospital. He unsheathed Vanquish, as he glared at the thing, but there's no way in hell I'll let you anywhere near him. The creature roared again as it charged fully at him. Before Izuku could try and attack it himself Nala jumped out of his hair and glowed brightly making him close his eyes. He only opened them back up when he heard what sounded like a yelp and saw Nala wasn't so small anymore. She was about the same height as the creature but she was standing on two feet, had two muscle-like arms, her two tails were bigger too. What the hell? Sakchan never told him Nala could transform. Either that or he himself didn't know. Nala looked at him and let out a meow so Nala was stiller. He gave her a nod, toss it in the air, Nala. Nala obliged and grabbed the creature by the tail as she spun it around before sending it hurling in the air and Izuku was right in front of it. Both hands on his blades. Nanajuni Pondoho, dash 72 pound phoenix slash cannon.
Holding the two swords horizontally above the shoulder, he performed a circular swing that launches two air-compressed projectiles spiraling towards the creature, splitting it in half. He landed back on the ground safely, as did the corpse of the creature. Sighing he sheathed both blades as he walked over towards it and saw purple blood oozing out. He placed two fingers on the earpiece, I killed it. And Salomo's condition is safe again. Good work. He sighed in relief and rubbed Nala's head, you did good, too. Meow. Nala mewled. We should get out of here. He told her. Nala seemed to agree with him as she picked him up and jumped away from the area, leaping from building to building. Not too long after they got away the police force showed up and Detective, Detective Naomesa looked down at the creature and noticed the purple blood. So it wasn't someone who'd lost control of their quirk? He wondered, bending down to inspect the creature only to back away quickly as it split in half body disintegrated along with the purple blood. It disintegrated. What's going on? He questioned. The only real clue he had to go on now was the boy that was being chased by the creature, but he was nowhere to be found. Sir. We looked around but couldn't find that young boy. Should we continue to search for him? An officer asked him. Naomesa shook his head, no, I'll submit a report about what happened today to the chief. The rest of you go home. He will also be telling Yagi about this, maybe he could find the boy and get to the bottom of this. Ichika sighed as she leaned back in her chair, good work. She told Izuku. Izuku sat down in the chair before Salomo, me and Nala worked together to get rid of the creature. Where'd Aunt Sophia go? She left after contacting your mother and letting her know what happened, Ichika-sensei explained, you should call her and let her know you're alright. I will. He said, standing up. You intend to keep killing those creatures, right? She asked just to be sure. Izuku faced her, I made a promise, and I intend to keep it. That's right, I made a vow that I intend to keep. He placed his whole All Might collection before the sister of the orphanage making her smile at him. I'll keep pushing myself to become stronger. Recovery Girl observed him as he scanned another patient carefully. I'll keep moving forward. His second phone vibrated while he was in class. Gathering his things he left the classroom, ignoring the teacher and not seeing Bakugo's eyes on him as he left. I'll keep fighting. He sliced the bat-like creature in half to prevent it from killing a boy with white and red hair who he got to safety. Once that was done he and Nala left the area immediately, he stayed behind to make sure the boy didn't say anything and sure enough the boy couldn't get a good description of him since it was nighttime. I won't stop. A local beach that used to be full of life, he was cleaning it up by himself and was almost done with the help of Nala. No matter what. The city at night was beautiful to look at, especially when the city lights made it more appealing. He stood on top of a building, looking down at everyone as they walked around unaware. I'll keep my promise. But that will be the end of this video. Thanks for watching this video. Like the video for a cookie and for another part. And if you made it this far. Comment law. And join the discord down below. But that will be the end of this video. Goodbye. Kosho out.